Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Uh, we're going to come back to a little bit later on in the message. But I also wanted just to let you know how easy it was to facilitate a small group. See? It, it's really that easy because you receive each week, there's a list of questions all you have to do is bring that to a group of people, ask those questions, and they respond. It was so easy. It was so natural here today. It was, it was just very smooth. And that's what it takes to be a small group facilitator, just the ability to ask questions and listen to people's responses and to work through things together. So I would encourage you, number one, to, number one we are going to come back to those last two questions. Number two, think about being a small group facilitator. Don't, don't hesitate and say, oh, I'm not sure I know enough. We have tried to make it as simple as possible for allowing us just to ask discussion-based questions and so that you can engage together in the Word of God and grow together in faith. So I didn't mean to black, well, I did totally mean to hit you upside the head with that, but uh, you know, uh, I just appreciate you doing that with, with me this morning. Super excited about our, our new series, Call Waiting. Uh, in 2002, Verizon Wireless introduced a series of commercials that starred Paul Marcarelli as the test man for their wireless network. I'm sure many of you have seen these commercials. The first commercial in the series shows the test man in various places, from cities to forests, offices to cornfields, mountains to a road which seemed to stretch into the middle of nowhere. And each of these locations, the test man would ask this question, can you hear me now? He would pause for a moment, smile, and say, good which gave the impression that the cell phone conversation that he was having was uninterrupted no matter where he went. And again, we're starting this series called Call Waiting Today. And our objective with this series is to look at the fact that God wants to communicate with us. He wants to speak to us. He wants us to listen to him. We're also going to see that he uses different ways to communicate and that responding to his voice is the wisest thing that we can do. So we're really looking forward to this. God is calling, you know, his, way, his, his call is waiting. We need to answer it. Looking forward to doing this series with you. Let's pray, and then we'll get right into things. Father, I do just want to thank you for this morning. I just thank you for the privilege of being able to share your word. Thank you for uh, that song that the worship team led, God of Wonders. Father, thank you for the brief minute that we had to say, hey, here was a time when I was really impressed with, with God's creation. Father, I thank you for that. So God, thank you that you want to speak to us. Thank you that you want to, uh, us to know you more and more. So Father, today, um, Lord, that you would just draw us even closer to yourself, help us understand your love and your, your, your grace in our lives. I just thank you in your name. Amen. Just thinking about our message today and thinking about the various ways that God communicates with me, it sort of brought me back to the days that Amanda and I were dating. For some unknown reason, God chose to allow us to date long distance for about six years. Started when I headed off to Whistler to live the life of a ski bum, and then when I got back, she went away to Bible school, and then when she got back from Bible school, I headed off to Bible school, and she was in university in Fredericton. 
And so long and the short of it, we spent lots of time uh, communicating in, in very different ways. I've got to tell you, Amanda was more of the creative one. You know, she would send me an envelope and, you know, a letter in that envelope, and sometimes it'd be all perfumed up, and if I was really lucky, she had sealed it with a kiss on the back, and that was pretty, pretty cool to get. The letters were good, you know, but they were slow. They took so much time to get there, and, and it's just sort of get that impatiently, oh, I want to hear, I want to hear from you. And so we upgraded. This is how old I am. We upgraded to being able to use email right? Email wasn't a thing at some time, believe it or not, all right? And so we got to email, but the problem was with email, the Bible school that I was at at the time only allowed us to send emails if they read them first, all right? So really, there was, that was a broken system. I wanted you to know that was a really broken system, uh, but they had to read the emails first, and I'm not smart enough to speak in code, so they were pretty bland emails, like, uh, theology class was really good today, you know, and my marks went up and, you know, all of those things. So, uh, so it was a broken system, but it was still nice to get a little bit more of that instant uh, communication. And of course, we had the phone, and our fathers had been known to meet in the back of the church on Sunday mornings and talk about, especially when we were in Whistler and all that stuff, how much our phone bills were costing. And, and both of these guys are into investments, and so Dad, I know you're watching. Uh, this morning, it was worth the investment, all right? It has paid off, and I'm still reaping dividends of that uh, today. And so very, very grateful for that. And I got to tell you, this whole FaceTime, Zoom, WhatsApp world is awesome. You know, this digital communication. When a man and I were dating, I did also have a cell phone, you know, and it was, I was one of the first guys in Bible school to have one of those. And it was one of those analog phones, you know, you just had to get the positioning just right. And there was no position in my room that worked. In fact, there was no position in the dorm except the attic. And so I would go up into the attic, this uninsulated attic, you know, and uh, eventually took a mattress up there, and I'd lug my sleeping bag up every time, and, you know, I'd lay there freezing and lay just in the right way for, like, however long she wanted to talk, like an hour, and, like, just <laughs> laying there, unmoving, and, and talking back and forth, just hoping that the signal wouldn't drop. Of course, nothing beats face-to-face -face conversation. When we got to spend time together, the communication was so much better. It was so nice to be able to see each other uh, just in face-to-face, -to, -face, to read those facial reactions, um, and it was really nice not to have to kiss the back of the envelope anymore. So, all of that to say, in order for our relationship, and any relationship for that matter, to grow, we have to use various means of communication. Each of those forms of communication with the man and I worked to paint a fuller picture of who we were. If we only had the letters, we would never have heard the expression of each other's voice. If we had only had the phone, we would miss out on the moments of looking to each other's eyes and really getting understanding what is being said. And today, I want us to stop and to consider the various ways that God has chosen to communicate with us. It's his desire to be known. He wants us to know him. And this morning, I want us to see that he has gone to great lengths so that, we can make, so that we can know him and that he has made himself known to us. So we're going to look at a couple different methods of communication that God use, uses to reach out to us. And as you do that, and as we do that, I want you really to consider the fact that, that these demonstrations and these reaching out of his and these communication of his is because he loves us. And that he wants us to know him. And he knows that knowing him is the very best thing for us. 
the first thing that we're going to look at this morning is, is means of communication and God's revealing himself to us. Is, it comes in the form of what, what theologians call general revelation. Norman Geisler defines general revelation as this. General revelation refers to God's revelation nature as opposed to his revelation in Scripture. More specifically, general revelation is manifest in several areas. For example, physical nature, human nature, and history. So just to keep it real simple, general revelation is God revealing himself in the things that he has made. God's revealing himself in the things that he has made. As we look at the world around us, it helps us to see what God is like. We can learn a lot about God's character and nature as we look at the things that he has made. Let's take a look at Psalm chapter 19. Go to Psalm chapter 19, verses 1 to 6. If you have your Bibles here today, um, you open those up. If you have your phone, if you have the, the app, Jan has done a really nice job of putting all the notes and scripture on the, uh, on the app from the church, and so you can just follow along in there. So just a number of different ways, and of course, it'll be up on the screen. Psalm 19 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words where his voice or whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. So verse 1 gets right to it. It says the heavens, and that word can be used to define basically anything above the ground all the way up to the, to the clouds where the birds fly, all of those things, right up to the end of the universe as we know it. So including that area where the sun, the moon, the stars, uh, where they dwell as well. So the heavens is basically anything above the ground. And the things that we can observe in heaven, they declare the glory of God. They tell us of his greatness and splendor. Not only do they declare his greatness, they also give evidence of his power and are a declaration of the things that he has done. Verse 3 and 4, as you look there, it's, it assures us that the revelation of these, the sun, the moon, and the stars, the things in the heaven, that it's universal. Verse 3 talks about the fact that they don't have a specific language. It's not like as you're looking up in the stars, they're going to send this message down to you, and you're going to hear some audible voice or whatever, but, but they speak to us. And it doesn't matter uh, what language you speak, when you look up into the heavens, they are declaring God's glory to you. There's no language, there's no barrier, there's, there's nothing that, that sort of hinders them from doing the communication that God has, has told them really to do and ordered them to do. And then finally, the psalmist draws our attention to the sun. He mentions that the sun rises and then it runs its course with joy, and I was just thinking about that when my parents were here a couple of weeks ago, they were visiting, and one of the things that we really wanted to do is we wanted to get out to, to Mount Joy and, and to be able to see the sunset, you know, just to, to watch the sunset, you know, the, one of the highest peaks around here, and you can see forever. It's, it's absolutely amazing if you haven't done that. And so we were sitting around, and we're like, well, what time should we head out? And so I just Googled it, and the sun, we found out, was going to be setting at 6.18 that evening. And so just a little bit more as I was thinking this week, and if you're curious, the sun's going to be setting at 4.37 uh, tonight, actually 4.37 and 58 seconds, just don't, don't miss those last couple seconds. And then I got a little even more curious, and I looked a year from now, and we'll see that the sun is going to be setting at 4.38 and 23 seconds. And the thing that I get out of that is the heavens declare the glory of God. All of a sudden we begin to see the, the order of God and how structured he is, but also his faithfulness. 
that we can, just through simple observation, learn about his faithfulness as we go, oh, this is when the sun's going to come up. This is when the sun's going to set. You know, it's the same as living on the East Coast, West Coast, wherever. You know what time the tide is going to be at its highest. You know what time it's going to be at its lowest. But here we see that the heavens declaring the glory of God, speaking to his faithfulness, speaking to his character. As he's just thinking a little, bit, a little bit more about the sun, we began to consider, you know, the size of the sun. You know, on, on any given day, we can take a look at the sun, and it, it looks kind of, you know, average in size as you, as you look out to it. In fact, I was looking at some pictures that Jason had taken a while ago, and uh, it has the, the sun, and they kind of have the hands up, and they're loading the setting sun into the back of a pickup truck. And the sun looks like you could actually hold it in your hands. But as you think about the sun, and as you think about its greatness, and if we thought of the sun maybe as a gumball machine, all right, and you think, how, how big is the sun? Well, if it was a gumball machine, um, and we took our earth as one gumball, it would take one million of our earths to fill the gumball machine. That's how big the sun is. It's just absolutely massive. If you want to see some more comparisons on that and the, and the greatness even of the stars, as the sun is a fairly small star, uh, Louis Giglio years ago did a, did a really cool series, um, If the Earth Was a Golf Ball. So you just look that up on YouTube, if the earth was a golf ball, and it's just amazing how, how grand the heavens are and how great they are. I encourage you to, to watch that. When we also turn our attention further into space and we think of God's greatness, it comes back to the second question that we asked today. How many of you here think that there are more stars in the sky than sand on the earth? Just by a show of hand. More stars than sand. Okay, good. How many people think that there's more sand than stars? More sand than stars. Some of you are just afraid to vote. All right, how many of you are undecided? All right, right. okay, there we go. All right, so I I was curious, because this kind of kept coming up as I was was studying this week, and so um, did we manage to find the answer? It's confirmed on a number of different sites. And so I'm just quoting from Krulich Wonders, Robert Krulich on science. He says this, science writer David... Blanter in his new book, Spectrums, says a group of researchers at the University of Hawaii, being well-versed in all things beachy, tried to calculate the number of grains of sand. They said, if you assume a grain of sand has an average size, and you calculate how many grains are in a teaspoon, and then multiply by all the beaches and deserts in the world, the earth has roughly, and we're speaking very roughly here, 7.5 to 10 to the 18 grains of sand. Or... 7 quintillion, 500 quadrillion grains of sand. Does that mean anything to you? No. It's a lot, all right? It's a lot. It's a big number. But so the question was, is there more stars than that big number? So uh, they continued on in their study, and our stargazer gets a Hubble telescope and a calculator. We can count distant galaxies, faint stars, red dwarfs, everything we've ever recorded in the sky, and boom. Now the population of stars jumps enormously to 7,000 million million stars. Anybody know who's won yet? Still losing all those numbers, all right? This is a 2003 estimate. So we've got multiple stars for every grain of sand. So the stars have it. If you would, give yourself a hand. All right, good job. All right. You beach people, uh, just keep, you know, keep exploring because I love the beach. So we can just keep counting. So... So we just see, again, God's greatness and his grandness as we look out into the, into the universe and we just see the, the countless number of stars. And the fact, you know, Scripture talks about the fact that there's that many stars, just this infinite number of stars, and yet God names each one. 
He knows each one by name. He calls them by name. The Apostle Paul takes this idea, this fact of general revelation a little bit further in Romans chapter 1, and he says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what could be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. There's a ton of information in those verses, and you know, as you look through Romans, you know that you need at least a series on each verse in Romans because they're so detailed. We don't have time to do that this morning, obviously, but number thing, the thing that I want to really focus on is the fact that God has, without fail, revealed himself to each and every person who is born into this world, and he's done that through his creation. Creation or nature clearly demonstrates the eternal power and character of God. And again, I'm sure that you've witnessed it for yourself. You shared that earlier today as you've just seen something fantastic in nature and you shared that with somebody else. It's just like, man, that, that's, that's what God did. He's done that for you. Man and I have had the privilege of living out on the East Coast, now moving out here to the prairies and we've seen God's power displayed in, in so many different ways. It's amazing as you live on the, on the Fundy Coast, uh, the highest tides in the world, that two times a day, 160 billion tons of seawater flows in and out of the Bay Bay of Fundy. According to the Bay of Fundy's tourism site, that is more water than flows in all of the freshwater rivers in the planet. And so in that period of time, just twice a day, this water rushes in and it rushes back out. It's fantastic to see. You know, you can be on a beach that there's just a little tiny bit of beach, and then when the tide goes out, you've got, you've got miles of sand to walk on. It's, it's amazing. It's a lot of fun. In St. John, where I grew up, as the, as the tide comes in, there's this place actually called the Reversing Falls. As the St. John River empties into the bay, uh, as the tide comes in, it actually pushes the water back uphill, so to speak. Uh, there's whirlpools, really cool, really neat phenomena to see. God's power on display there. Since moving out here, uh, we just love the sky and the prairies. It's just amazing how big it is, how grand it is. You just, pretty much every day, a man is going, oh, I just love the sky here, and just being out, driving at night, and just seeing just the stars and the grandness of the sky. And then being in the mountains, you just kind of stand there in the mountains, and you're just in awe, and you're realizing that, that God is so great, and he's so powerful, and that he's, he wants us to know him. And so he's gone to great lengths to reveal himself to us. Paul here says, you know, that really they do this without fail. They have done their job. They have fulfilled their purpose. They have declared the, the existence and the power of God. So the people are without excuse. The problem is not with nature. The problem is, is with the human heart. Because despite God revealing himself and showing himself to us, we see that people willfully suppress that knowledge. It's there. It's, it's just written in the sky. It's written all over creation. And yet people just choose to deny that. And they choose instead to, to distance themselves from the one who wants to communicate with them. He's calling. He's saying, I want you to know me. It's kind of like when I see a number from a call center from my bank. You know, that, that call center, that number comes up and I'm looking and I'm like, you know what? They just want to offer me more debt or they want to offer me, you know, they might save me a little bit of money. I just don't want to talk to them. You know, the God of the universe is speaking through his, na- his creation, his nature. He's calling out to people. And yet people just willfully choose to say, nope, I don't want to answer that call. I don't want to acknowledge that God is on the other end of the line. I don't want to acknowledge that he's there because then I'm responsible to him. 
and then I have to answer to him. And so I would encourage you, don't, don't ignore that call. Don't ignore God's revelation of himself through what he has made. So we see that he reveals himself in, in general revelation. And the thing about general revelation is it draws us to him, but it doesn't really give us the complete picture of who he is. It can't reveal to us uh, what we need to know about, about Jesus Christ. It can't reveal to us what we need to know about our, our separation from him and, 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 our, and his willingness to reconcile us. It's there to, it's designed to let us know he's there. It's let us to know that he wants to know us. But then we have to get into what, this, what uh, theologians call more of special revelation. And special revelation, simply defined, is how God has chosen to reveal himself through uh, supernatural or miraculous means. And this is, this is God just saying to us, hey, I want you to know more than just my existence. I want you to know me personally. And I want to introduce myself to you personally. And, and we'll look today at two major means of, of God revealing himself to us through special revelation. Uh, in your small group this week, uh, we'll see that there's other ways that God speaks to people. But the primary way uh, that God has chosen to reveal himself to us through special revelation is through his word, through the Bible. This is his grand revelation of himself to us as, as just to name a few, as creator, absolute ruler, the one who keeps all of creation together, savior, comforter, judge, and friend. Scripture gives us an amazing look at God's eternal plan of salvation. It shows us that the human race was created to rule over all God's creation, but also to be in a personal friendship and a personal relationship with God. Scripture tells us of our, of our willful choice to reject that relationship and the consequence of that relationship, which was the cursing of God's good creation and also the severing of human beings' relationship with God. It shows us the fickleness of the human heart through Israel drawing close to God and then fading away from him and then drawing close to him and then fading away from him. It also shows us that there's consequence to sin and that God just doesn't ignore sin and we see that as Israel is judged and then eventually led away into captivity. But then again, it continues to reveal God's faithfulness and his loving forgiveness as he protected and restored a remnant of Israel, which was always his plan and through which he raised up his son, Jesus Christ, and brought him into the world. And as Jesus came into the world, we see that he is the one who came to bear the full punishment for our sin, to, to die on the cross, to take the punishment that we could not pay on our own so that we could be made right with God. The Bible continues on to tell us that we are, how we are supposed to behave once we have placed our faith and trust in Christ. It tells us that how ordinary people, through the power of the Holy Spirit, did extraordinary things and continue to do extraordinary things to, to let people know who Jesus is. Scripture also tells us that no matter what we face in life, whether it's sickness, death, sorrow, temptation, difficulty, joy, blessing, etc., that God is there walking through each and every one of those situations with us. And finally, Scripture tells us about the fact that we have an eternal joy waiting for us if we have placed our faith and trust in His Son. But it also warns us of the eternal condemnation of rejecting him and the consequence of being separated from him forever and ever. Folks, the Bible is simply the greatest book that you will ever read. As you read the word of God, there are times when you read some stuff and it's like, wow, that is confusing. And I'll be honest, the genealogies and numbers are a little bit of a sleeper. You know, you just look through and you're like, why is that there? 
But the crazy thing is you grow in your knowledge and you, you begin to understand who God is. You can even see how those confusing parts and how those parts that just seem insignificant and, and you kind of wonder why they're there as they all fit in together to God's grand picture of redemption. And it's the preserving and the protecting of his story so that there's no doubt in our minds who Christ is, who God is, and how we can be made right with him. It's an amazing, amazing book. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. As we look around the universe, we see this, this, the evidence of God's character and his nature, his power. And then we wonder, okay, like how did he communicate to us? Well, he spoke to men. He breathed his words into men, the the, the the fancy word, I guess, is inspiration. Today, when we think of inspiration, we think of, hey, I saw something amazing, and now I'm going to express that, that wonder, that awe, or I had this idea, and I'm going, to, I'm going to write that into a song or into a book, or maybe I'm going to create a video to express that or a dance or whatever. And we think of inspiration as I saw something, and now I'm going to express that in some way. You know, inspiration, when we're talking about God breathing his word, is that he spoke directly to these men and he guided them to write down the words that he wanted them to write so that we would know who God is, so that we could have his message clearly delivered to us. Peter builds on that a little bit in 2 Peter 1, verse 20 and 21. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Again, it's not like, you know, Micah one day was just sitting out in the field and he goes, oh, you know what? Bethlehem would be a really cool place for the Savior to be born. And so he writes that into his book. No, the Holy Spirit guided him and directed him to write those words. No, it's not like Isaiah came up with this idea of a suffering Savior. God told him, you know, hey, this is what the Messiah will be like, you know. And it was bizarre to, to think of a Savior as a deliverer, as someone who would suffer and be a man of sorrow. And, and these things, Peter's saying, look, they're not private interpretations. They're not just people's own ideas. This is God's word for us, preserved for us, so that we could know him. As we think of God's word, uh, there's another means of revelation that he has chosen uh, to, to reveal himself to us, and that's found in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. It says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Can you believe that in 48 days we are going to be celebrating Christmas? I know it's hard to believe, especially with the temperatures that we've been having. I had a really nice moment yesterday. We were sitting out here, and it was, it was a nice day yesterday. It was sunny, and they got snow on the East Coast. I was like, yeah, you know, you know, Bruce, you're moving out to the prairies where it's so cold. I'm like, yeah, but we didn't get snow yet. So uh, that, was a, that was a cool thing for me. Um, but soon Christmas is going to be on us. And, and as we think about that excitement and the, the celebration of the season, um, and we really key in to what uh, Christmas is all about. It's the fact that God sent Jesus into this world, that, that God himself became human flesh so that we could know him and so that we could be made right with him. 
John 1 verse 18 takes us a little bit further. He says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This verse has caused me a little bit of confusion over, over the years because you think about it and you think, well, wasn't there a lot of things in the Old Testament where people got to see God and maybe even like Moses got to see God in, in a special way and in fact his face glowed for days after he, he had this encounter with God. And, and so what is this verse really saying? If you read the account of Moses seeing God, you'll notice that it was a veiled glimpse of just a bit of who God was. Jesus, on the other hand, has eternally been in the full presence of God. I was reading a commentary by Barnes this week and he says this, Jesus knew him intimately and completely and was therefore fitted to make a fuller manifestation of him. This passage is not meant to deny that men had witnessed manifestations of God as when he appeared to Moses and the prophets, but it's meant that no one has seen the essence of God or has fully known God. The prophets delivered what they heard God speak. Jesus delivered what he knew of God as his equal. So when we see Jesus feeding the hungry, we are learning of God's compassion for those in need. When we read about Jesus calming the storm, we're learning about God's power over creation. When we read about Jesus criticizing outwardly religious people, we're learning of God's disgust for hypocrisy. When we read about Jesus forgiving people's sins, we're learning about God's power and willingness to restore our relationship with him. When we read about Jesus dying on the cross, we're learning about the depth of God's love that he has for each and every one of us. This morning we have the privilege of taking part in communion and the Lord's Supper, so I'm going to ask the servers if they would join me out front, and also uh, the worship team is going to take their place on stage. This morning as you stop and consider the fact that uh, God has revealed himself through creation and through his word and through Jesus, I want you to understand some of the why behind that revelation. God didn't send Jesus to reveal himself. God did not need to reveal himself to us. He could have created us and then left us without any knowledge of himself. Thankfully, that has never been his purpose. He created us with the ability to know him and to be in a personal relationship with him. When Adam sinned, he severed that relationship with God for himself and for all of us. Again, God could have given us what he want, what we wanted. He could have left us alone but that was not his purpose. His purpose has always been to show us who he is and his great love for us. In creation, he he demonstrated his power and divine nature. In scripture, he reveals himself and his eternal plan. In Jesus, he reveals exactly who he is and how much he loves us. So today, before we celebrate communion, I wanna ask you, have you responded to his call? He is calling to you. He is seeking to welcome you into an eternal relationship with him. He is calling to believe on what Jesus has done for you by dying in your place and rising again. Don't leave him waiting. Respond to his call and enter into that eternal relationship that he offers. Today, if you have responded to his call, if you already have uh, accepted Christ as your personal savior, taking part in communion is an opportunity to express your appreciation for the fact that God has revealed himself to you and that you have received his forgiveness. It's also a time when we get to evaluate that relationship that we have with him. His love and affection with you will never lessen, he'll never pull away. But there are times when we put him on hold and we pursue the very things that he died to save us from. If you recognize that those things are in your life today, take a moment, confess those things. Ask for his strength to turn away from them and then speak to somebody after and say, you know what, could you pray for me in this area? 
This is an area that I have been turning away from God. And this is an area that I haven't been doing what God has asked me to do. Would you please pray for me that I will, that I will correct that area in my life with the help of the Holy Spirit? And today, just as we think about communion, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 12, or 23 through 26 says this. For I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As the servers pass out the, uh, the communion elements today, the worship team is going to play a song. Um, they are going to, I would just encourage you, after you get the elements, just to sit and reflect on the words that are being shared. Uh, and then when that song is done, I'll come up and will lead us in the service of communion. This is my worship, this is my offering, in every moment I withhold nothing, I'm learning to trust you, even when I can't see it, and even in suffering. I have to believe it If you say it's wrong Then I'll say no If you say release I'm letting go If you're in it with me I'll begin When you say to jump I'm diving in If you say be still
awesome that you know, God has made himself known to us, that through his Holy Spirit he is willing to lead us. We have this opportunity this morning to remember him, so Jesus tells us to take the bread and the cup and to do this in remembrance of him. Thank you for being with us this morning. I would challenge you uh, this week, uh, first and foremost, I guess, um, if you're watching online and you have um, just been reminded of God's love for you, or perhaps uh, even this morning you have realized for the first time that uh, God has sent a son to be your savior, that he, is, he has come to, to save you from sin. If you've placed your faith and trust in him, uh, we would love to hear from you. If you just reach out to, our, uh, to us online, you can just go to the FBC website, uh, fill out the connection card. We would love to hear from you. We'd love also to get you going in your new walk of faith. And so uh, please reach out and connect with us. Um, if you're here today and you've done that, please let us know uh, before you leave. We would love to celebrate that with you as well. Also, this week, I would just really encourage you, uh, take some time as you notice the beauty of creation around you to recognize uh, the one who is communicating with you, that he's revealed himself to you. Take some extra time in his word, just maybe to slow down and focus on a, on a few verses and realize that he is speaking with you. He's trying to communicate with you and letting you know who he is. 
And then, of course, take some time to reflect on Jesus as the exact representation, God in human flesh, and be thankful that he was willing to come and pay the price for the penalty for our sin. Thanks. Have a great week. There are donuts out there today. Finally, they've arrived. I'm so excited. Um, I hope you have a great morning and a great week. 